You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia and Stan, welcome to Watch Club. In this week's episode of Watch Club, we are talking about Stan's brand new event series, The Comey Rule, streaming only on Stan. Start your 30-day free trial today. And just to note, guys, that we are going to be talking about every little moment of the Comey rule, so there's lots of spoilers ahead. So if you haven't watched it, head on over to Stan, watch the full two-episode series, and then come on back to hear what we have to say about it. It is so good, you are not going to want it to end. Anyway, let's start this, shall we? So we are now 15 days before a presidential election, and we have to go through 347,000 emails to determine if one of the candidates in that election needs to be indicted. Russia, we think they're trying to sabotage Secretary Clinton's campaign. How? Never spend much time on Facebook. So as Laura mentioned, it is a two-part series and it's based on former FBI Director Jim Comey's memoir that retraces key moments and missteps of the 2016 US presidential race. And that was a race between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And this also goes into the aftermath and what that looked like. So Jim Comey is perhaps most well-known for being the guy that made the call to reopen the investigation into Hillary Clinton's private email server. It was the email server that she used while she was Secretary of State during the Obama administration administration. And he did this on the eve of the presidential election. And many people felt that this was the decision that ultimately swung the outcome into Trump's favor. Did Secretary Clinton knowingly break the law, either by using a personal email server to handle classified information while serving at state, or by directing the deletion of emails from that server? What I loved about the series is it takes you inside the room and the decisions that Comey made that so profoundly affected the election and the decisions you end up seeing what so often between a rock and a hard place. It presents the facts, the pressures, the constraints and political realities and poses, I think, the biggest question of all of morality. How far should one go to protect the rule of law when it may not be for the greater good? Laura, what did you think? Well, first of all, I think one of the highlights of this series was for sure the all-star cast. Which, oh, yeah. Because this is one of those shows where because they were playing real-life people and they were playing people whose faces are so prominent in the media and especially for people who follow US politics quite closely and who were across who all these different characters were, the challenge of finding the actors who are going to bring them to life. So we have Jeff Daniels as James Comey, Holly Hunter as Sally Yates, Jennifer Eel as Patrice Comey. I still look at her a bit like Elizabeth Benedict from Pride and Prejudice, but she was <sighs> outstanding in this. And probably one of the big standouts of all is Brendan Gleeson as a President Donald Trump. Nobody gets treated as unfairly as I do. It's disgraceful. Sir, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. So kind of just getting into the background of how this came to be, because there was so much talk before it even hit Stan and so much hype around this show, because it's not your everyday run-of-the-mill drama event. It's something that's so strongly tied into a, a conversation that's happening in the real world right now. And there was kind of a bit of a battle behind the scenes about the subject material. So obviously Comey's memoir came out in 2018, and a lot of people kind of thought it was a very true take of his behind-the-scenes dealings 
things at the time, but it was very heavily criticised by Donald Trump, surprise, surprise, who really rallied against it, both in the press and on his social media feeds, saying that it was full of lies and that it was badly reviewed. And so already there was this kind of mythology around the book that, you know, it was the book that President Trump didn't want you to read. And now we're seeing that in TV form. That's something that the writer and director of The Comey Rule, Billy Ray, really tried to build into the narrative. So he spent a lot of time going into Washington and meeting all the people who had memories of that time or had something to do with it. And he also spoke to a lot of different skeptics of Comey's work at the time, just to make sure it was a bit balanced. Obviously, the story skews more towards him because it is his narrative. And Comey was allowed on the set and to kind of be involved in the filming. And he was allowed to see the script before the show went into filming, which normally for this kind of thing, you'd think would put too much bias in there. But they've been really clear to say that he never tried to influence his portrayal or how the show portrayed the events of that time. So we can kind of look at the idea that this is the facts being presented here. Yeah, that was something that was really clear in preparation for us talking about it today. I watched a Zoom interview with the Washington Post and it was Jim Comey, Jeff Bridges, and then the writer-director, Billy Ray. And Comey kind of talked about how he's initially approached to do this and he was very reluctant to kind of do it. But he read the Comey rule that Billy had done and saw that it was more about this like heartbreaking story of what it's like to be a public servant and that kind of pushed him into making the decision. And the interesting thing that he said, they had zero conditions. So Comey was like, yep, let's do it. Zero conditions, like portray me how you want to portray me. It's your interpretation of it. And in that same interview, Billy Ray said of Comey and doing all of that research, he found that the one thing you could say about Jim Comey was that everything that he said was truthful. Nothing has ever been disproven that he said in the public arena or for that matter in his kind of other notes that he's written. And the same thing really can't be said about Trump, who is obviously the villain of the story. But I wanted to quickly touch on the name of it, the Comey rule, which I thought was quite interesting. So in Billy Ray's research and going to the Department of Justice and talking to all these different people, one of them told them that he came up with this term, which was the Comey rule. And he made it up for just basically describing what was ultimately Jim Comey's Achilles heel. And he said, for when you have such a fierce belief in your own perspective that it supersedes the norms of the Department of Justice. And I thought that that was quite interesting because I was thinking, where is this from? Like, I wanted to know what it was more about, but I love that they kind of coined this term because ultimately it was his own morality that was his kind of like higher power, if you will, that influenced all of the decisions that he made, even though for argument's sake, they were detrimental to the United States. Exactly. And I think in this case, looking at Billy Ray's kind of creative endeavours behind the scenes is especially important when understanding the story and why he wanted it to come out at this point in time. Because with the Stan original series, The Comey Rule, it was actually slated to air more towards the end of the year. And that's something that Billy Ray and his creative team really pushed back on. And he actually wrote an open letter to the cast and said, like, you know, we need to get this story in front of the American people months before the coming election. And he's like, the word that I'm getting to me is that any kind of air date before the end of the year is just a non-starter. So the fact that they pushed that essentially up a hill and got it to drop this week, the week of the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, so that people would have this refreshed bit of history in their minds before watching them is kind of great. Like, obviously, he's got an agenda of wanting to do that. Like, he's trying to push this idea of reminding people how President Trump came to power. But it's 
it's also just kind of making sure that this series, this TV show is interwoven in this point in time of political history, which is quite amazing from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, I don't think we've ever really had something like this in such close proximity of of a real life event happening. But it was so instrumental in Trump getting into office that the fact that we're going through this right now, and as you mentioned, the presidential debates, like I read an article where Billy Ray was saying like voters need to see this. They need to be reminded that this happened because it doesn't paint Trump in a great light. And there are so much detail in there of what actually happened because I think a lot of us, us obviously being in Australia, we were hearing about it and it was like this constant stream of people who were being fired from the Trump administration. But unless you got really into the nitty gritty, you weren't really privy to the context of it. And I don't think a lot of people were mainly until this memoir came out. So I think realising the context now behind it, the fact that this was almost a bit of a distraction away from what we now know was Russia tampering with the election and favouring Trump to win. It's fascinating seeing it happen right now, which is a bit scary. I heard a few people describe it as a horror movie and that Trump is the monster. I think a Slate review yes. said that. And I'm like, yes. But the way it does that in itself is quite interesting. Like you just said then about the idea that it makes us fearful of Donald Trump. But it's interesting how Brendan Gleeson, when he's playing Trump, doesn't actually play him as a villain. And this is a way we've never actually seen Donald Trump before because I hadn't actually realised until it came out on stand and we were watching it and people were talking about it that we'd never before seen Donald Trump not played as a comedic character. Like we got so used to Alec Baldwin being on Saturday Night Live and playing this really comedic, bumbling version of Trump and so many other comedians have done the same thing and he's really being used for, you know, there's so many memes and videos around him. He's really being used as this comedic relief and it could have been really easy for the Comey rule to also play into that narrative because it's an easy laugh. But instead of doing that, Brendan Gleeson plays... Donald Trump as very clever and very calculating in kind of like a bully who doesn't really walk over and push his opponent over, but will taunt him behind the scenes and mess with him and bring all the other bullies under his kind of reign. And so watching him doing that was actually more fearful than watching him just be a bumbling idiot. And the thing that really chilled me is that he also played Donald Trump in a way that Trump believes in his own morality and believes that he is right. Mm. So he never plays Donald Trump, which I think is actually very true to his character. Donald Trump is not the villain of his own story. He's the hero of his story. He's a great president. He's a saviour. He knows better than everyone else. And I thought the fact that you could see in Brendan Gleeson's performance that he was playing Trump as if he was the hero of this story made it all the more interesting when you saw Jeff Daniels, Comey go up against him because they're both playing the hero in different stories. Well, we have to talk about that scene, that scene in real life, the meeting, the one-on-one dinner between Comey and Trump was such huge news when it ended up breaking. And the amount of emotion and skill that was brought to that scene was just Insane, Mr. President, I, I think it's in your best interest that we not socialize too much. The country needs to know that the FBI is completely divorced from politics. Obama was very close with Holder when Holder was attorney general. I thought that was a mistake. He made a lot of them. The point is, I need loyalty. You will always get honesty from me. That's what I want. Honest loyalty. You will get that from me. 
So there was so much discomfort and tension because this is the time or the first time really where Comey's morality is pushed the hardest by Trump. And obviously the FBI is apolitical. They're meant to be completely standalone from the government and, of course, the president. You know, Comey's so pained in the scene. Jeff Daniels has done such a great way of doing this. The president is saying, you know, I require loyalty, basically saying that he wants to pledge his allegiance to him. And he's trying to find ways to say that but not actually saying it, saying something that will make him feel that he's got the answer that he needs so he can just get out of this bloody meeting alive. Exactly. And when Comey's book came out, that was one of the most talked about aspects of it. He's kind of giving his own thoughts on how that unseen unfolded and how it plagued him through the years and how he felt it discredited him. And I thought it was interesting that the show creators and also the two actors kept it so restrained because it's something that could have been really heightened with music or kind of more aggression between them because no one actually knows what the mood was like in that room except for those two men. Mm. They probably remember it very differently. So it's almost like this catted mouse, very restrained, underhanded political moment. And I think that's why in the Comey rule, the quiet moments are actually the best moments. And that's so hard to do in drama. Jim Comey was actually on set that day that Jeff Daniels and Brendan Gleeson filmed this scene. And he said that I was about to throw up on my shoes, sitting in the dark as I recreated what I lived in a way I found very disturbing. I found it really difficult to relive. It hit me like a wave. And he recalled at the time, you know, he's thinking, how do I protect the FBI? What do I say? He just said, watching that scene, Jeff doesn't say anything, but you can see the turmoil by looking in his eyes and the way he's holding his jaw. And it's just such a credit to Jeff Daniels. I know this is just a big gushy, you know, audio letter to how much we love Jeff Daniels, but I'm just so glad that they cast him in this role. The cast was such a strong kind of part of the Comey rule, particularly how they really resurfaced the characters of the storylines of the female characters in there. It was interesting how much airtime they gave to Comey's wife, Patrice, played by Jennifer Eyle, and their four daughters. And I sometimes think that device, because it's a storytelling device that also gets used in real life, where you Mm. sort of hinge a man's morality on the fact that he has a wife and daughters. Yeah. Do you want him to win? I can't talk about this with you anymore, Tristan. Jim, Jimmy, what are you doing? I would never ask you to prosecute someone or not prosecute someone in my life. I wouldn't do that. But you have four daughters. Now think about what it would mean for them to see a woman become president. Now think about what it would mean for them to see her lose to him. Please don't make it seem like my choices are between loving my daughters or doing my job. This is not your job. Swinging elections is not your job. But protecting the bureau is. No, you went there to put bad guys away. The Ramsey rapists of the world not to help them become president. Now, Patrice has come out and said that that was obviously dramatised for the show and she never really said that, but she stands by the sentiment of it and saying that she was completely devastated by what happened and how her husband had to reopen the case and the election results. So it's almost like we're seeing through the eyes of the female characters the real destruction that was happening there without using them to be the source of a male character's morality. I feel like I was getting so frustrated with him as a character because I understood, you know, you're trying to do the right thing. But when you break norms, because I think if we think about 
what Trump has done in like the grand scheme of things, everything he's done is pushed against norms and the way that we expect people to behave, the roles and the traditions and the pecking order of different things. And he's really pushed against that. But I would even argue that Jim Comey was the first kind of norm breaker or rule breaker in his decision to make a statement from the FBI, which is unprecedented, never happened before. So it's almost like his own morality caused him to make rules that pushed against norms. And then that was just a triple effect to the world that we live in now. So thanks a lot. He's the villain of my story right now. I'm, He's just, the villain of you. <laughs> I just really can't. Like, I was just, it's too close to the election. It's just like, oh, like I understand, but it's also like, I hate you. Exactly. Well, I think even the way we mapped out sort of how the events unfolded, I thought it was also a really strategic kind of use of storytelling on their part that they didn't kind of fall into the trap of using lots of flashbacks or flash forwards or Mm. going back almost that West Wing style that everyone kind of always relies on for political storytelling where you have that really rapid fire delivery and rapid fire shots and lots of really dramatic confrontations because they stuck so close to what happened in the book. It's all told in this chronological order of events. So you can almost kind of trace each little pinpoint through history as you see the kind of election falling apart for Hillary Clinton. I also thought it was very interesting how they used real life footage that doesn't always work in dramas. It can sometimes really pull you out of the storytelling or like blur the lines between documentary storytelling and dramatic storytelling. But I think in this case, you couldn't have someone up there playing Hillary Clinton in those moments and in those press moments, but you could have someone playing Donald Trump and it worked in that way. So it was like this kind of these two different worlds they built that then existed together in this one drama. Secretary Clinton's aides didn't hand over her emails to government records. Is that a failure or is that an oversight? Well, it's a failure to comply with the law that the secretary had to know about, that her aides had to know about. And it's a pattern of deception that began from before she became secretary until her last day. Well, let's start from the beginning. Everything I did was permitted. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed how they use the live footage because so much of it is something that you would have seen before in the news. So it's quite a nice kind of like plotting the plot point along in this in the storyline. I don't think it ever blurred the line between it being like a documentary or a dramatization or whatever, but I think it was like quite interesting how they did that and it gave it the cred that it needed, I think, to remind everyone like, hey, these are true events, this happened, like the, he actually did this, these were the choices he made and this was the way he had to kind of tell his story. Exactly. And I guess like kind of like leading into that of how the story had to be told, the question is now, how is the Comey rule going to have real world implications for what we're seeing now? Because obviously it's a quite a, a devastating portrayal of Donald Trump even though we thought we'd seen the worst of him, just kind of that reminder just five weeks out before he's seeking re-election. And also the fact that after the Comey rule dropped on Stan, Jim Comey is actually going back into the Senate committee and he's facing accusations from Republicans that he and his agency conspired against Trump in 2016. So that's all playing out in real time as well. So it's interesting how we've got this little nugget of storytelling, but the bigger story is still to come. And I think it'll be really interesting to see if the world has turned into such a place that we have this ex-reality TV star as one of the most important men in the world. Does a TV drama have the power to influence voters? 
Well, that's almost the same question I have about the debate. And it's just, it was very frustrating watching that debate. And at the end, I just thought, is that actually going to change anyone's mind? But I think, and, and the same question that you're asking now is, can this drama actually change the minds of voters to have them to be more informed? I think perhaps, and this is getting a little bit off entertainment into a political area, which I don't mind dabbling in from time to time, let me tell you. But I think perhaps like the debate, the taxes coming out, this mini-series and also COVID, obviously the devastation of COVID in the States, perhaps all of those, it'll be kind of like the perfect storm to help voters really see past the lies and the manipulation of, of Donald Trump and his administration and hopefully get someone in there with a bit more experience who can help Americans. I really hope so. And at least with the Comey rule dropping on Stan, even if the world is falling apart, we have a reminder that a really good drama has the power to kind of change how we think. Thank you so much for listening to our special Watch Club episode of The Comey Rule. We would love to hear from you. We want to talk about this series. It has been so good, so timely. We're going to pop a little thread on our Facebook page. We would love to hear what you think and whether you think a drama can influence the real world. This episode of Watch Club was produced by Maddie Joanno. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. This episode of The Spill was brought to you by Stan's new event series, The Comey Rule, now streaming only on Stan. Start your 30-day free trial today.